in Eme in the 17th century. The ring of roses was the horrible red rash on the victims' bodies. The posies were the herbs that didn't cure it. And a tissue was the sneezing that spread it around. It was the plague that made everyone fall down, dead. The trip to Eme was the first of two school visits near the end of the spring term. Seth's group had come to a halt just off a lane that led sharply downhill into the Derbyshire village. They had formed a semicircle around a dreary monument covered in moss and algae. Just as the school party was getting bored with the chat about a nursery rhyme, the local guide began to talk in gruesome detail about the symptoms of the Black Death. Vomiting, coughing blood, unstoppable diarrhoea, dark blotches in the neck, armpits and groin and the suffocating stench of death. Deciding that the disease was no joke, Seth screwed up his face in disgust. The plague may have been 340 years ago, but the thought of unending diarrhoea and bleeding in the groin grabbed everyone's attention. When the guide told them how people would moan, groan and scream as they came out in unbearably painful black boils filled with blood and pus, half of the students grimaced. The other half looked at each other and grinned. But Wes Radcliffe was not one for wincing. Unable to keep a straight face, he nudged Seth's twin sister Kim and said, What a bloody mess! Kim smiled back, then pulled her best vampire face and said, Dripping gore! Yummy! Standing next to them at the end of the line of pupils, Seth was much more subdued. The tour guide continued, The village vicars... William Montpesson and Thomas Stanley persuaded the villagers to make a superhuman sacrifice. Even knowing that many of them would die, they promised to stay put and cut themselves off from the rest of the country so they didn't spread the disease. People living in the surrounding area left food and supplies for them, either at the southern end of the village or right here. The survivors had to pay for everything, but their coins were contaminated, so they put them in this well where the running water would wash away the seeds of plague. The tour guide pointed down at the spring that was partly covered by a grubby concrete hood. It became known later as Montpesson's well. She turned slightly towards the south and said, There wasn't any running water at the other drop-off point, so they cut holes in a boulder called the Boundary Stone and left silver shillings in the hollows, covered with vinegar to clean them of the sickness. Wes peered into the discoloured water of Montpesson's well and muttered sarcastically. Exciting. Kim elbowed him and whispered, Look, there's money in it. Is there? Wes glanced down again and nodded. There were at least three pound coins, a couple of fifty-pence pieces and some other coins that Wes didn't recognise. Yeah, real money. When the school party began to snake away from the monument, the guide and a teacher at its head, Wes lingered and kneeled down at the edge of the well. I don't think you ought to, Seth said to his mate, but he was too late. Wes's hand was already in the slimy water, scooping out a handful of gold coins. Wesley? Mr Hanif yelled. What are you doing? Nothing, sir, Wes replied. Quickly, he closed his fist around the icy loot. Just tying my shoelaces. Well, hurry up. That's a good one, sir. Well, <laughs> get it? Wes grinned and nodded towards the well before straightening up. Come on.
Seth and Kim as well. Kim laughed. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> another well, she said, trying to distract the history teacher from Wes. Behind Seth, Wes slipped the cash into his pocket and wiped his wet hand on his trousers. He could feel the coins against his leg. They were surprisingly heavy, and, even through the material, they felt uncannily cold against his skin, making him shudder. It wasn't a fantastic haul. Wes, Kim and Seth got nearly a pound each, but they stood a chance of getting more. After they'd shared out the modern money, they were left with one unrecognisable dull rectangle about the size of a domino and three diamond-shaped silvery coins carrying a date of 1646. Kim and Wes would have thrown them away as useless, but Seth stopped them. He poked the coins with his forefinger, but couldn't bring himself to pick them up. Look, they're more than 300 years old, he said.